Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 23 if you keep a track at home. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker here with you as always. Here we got another jam-packed episode. Jolan is on hiatus again. He's got some personal things going on. Again, he is safe. He is fine. But I got quite the guest today. I got Zach Kruk from WTBQ and WGHT Sports. He is the sports director and uh, a good friend of mine. And we always talk sports whenever we're not in the studio. We're even when we're in the studio, we're talking sports. So even when we get out of it, uh, you could see the text messages all the time. So Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Ryan. It's great to be with you and uh, talking sports as opposed to what I normally do in this studio, which is talking politics. This is sports is a billion times better. So I am thrilled to be here with you. I am very happy with that opinion, and we'll see about some other opinions going forward. Zach mentioned his politics show, Speak Up, airs at WTBQ. WGHT every Tuesday from 10 to 11 a.m. Well, uh, that gets interesting with the election coming up, but we're going to we're going to keep it rolling. And uh, Zach's got a lot of information. And we, uh, so do I. So let's keep it rolling. So last week, I mean, really, you want to start with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you lose to Washington. You know what the hell is going on down there? You go to Arizona, Arizona, that big win over Seattle at home. Uh, fantastic comeback win. DK Metcalf still the star of that thing chasing down. Uh, Buda Baker, unreal. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is oh fantasy <laughs> fantasy guru right there. He, his third touchdown might have been the best touchdown catch I've ever seen, how he kept his second foot in bounds. I, I'll never know. These guys are unreal at doing that nowadays. It, it really is special to watch. Uh, New England, uh, it might be good night and see you next year. Uh, the Falcons to the NCAA. I mean, these these dudes just keep finding ways to lose. They won uh, last night. But almost found a way to lose. I was watching that game. Don't don't ask me why. I don't know why I was watching. Falcons, Panthers on a Thursday night because there's nothing else right now. There's no NBA. Sadly, baseball's over. There's no hockey. That's just and we're in we're in a time when all those sports would be playing. But uh, I'm watching that and I see the Falcons kicker miss an extra point. I think it was early fourth quarter that kept it an eight point game. And I'm like, there's no way they're going to find a way to lose this one. Are they keeping it a one score game because he misses an extra point? But they pulled it out. Well, and to, to go back to last week for just a second against the Lions, Todd Gurley rushes up the middle. They had a chance. All he has to do is fall down before the end zone. They take three knees, kick the field goal, and they win that game. Instead, he falls similar to Ahmad Bradshaw in the 2011 Super Bowl against the Patriots. Gurley almost screwed that game up last night. I don't know if you saw it. Like three minutes left, he runs out of bounds. And oh I'm like, are you? What are you doing? This is two weeks in a row. This guy just and this is this isn't a rookie. This guy's been in the league a long time. I, I was like, you're real. Like that's the thing. Sometimes teams just know how to give games away, and it seems like that's a team that does. As I said on the podcast last week, losers know how to lose. So last week in my picks, I was eight and five on the week. Not too bad. Sixty four and forty one on the year. So twenty three games above five hundred. That's a, I like to keep that mark. Where it is, Zach, we're going to jump right into the NFL. My favorite story of the week was defensive coordinator Mike Nolan of the Dallas Cowboys, who, by the way, have been a joke of a franchise uh, for, for a long, long time. But I think it's reached its clown pinnacle this week when defensive coordinator Mike Nolan had to leave his press conference after he got Tabasco sauce in his eye. I've had a hard time keeping a straight face saying it the whole week. It's just un, unreal. He had it on his finger, forgot it was there, rubbed his eye, which you're not supposed to do in the year of COVID, and he just rubs it right in his eye and has to leave the press conference. Is I'm, he trying to spark a fire under him himself to be a better defensive coordinator? 
Like, what? what is he trying to do? I, was gonna I, say, I don't know. I was going to say, the, the dude's seat is really hot to begin with. Right. Now, what did he do? I mean, was he eating wings or something? And then it rub, he must have. It must have been wings or chicken fingers or something that had Tabasco sauce on it. Who knows? But uh, it was a an interesting euphemism to see this guy who is, obviously, their defense is Swiss cheese. It has been all year. And now without Dak Prescott, I mean... Jerry Jones has to be sitting there saying, wow, I guess maybe I really do need to pay Dak Prescott. And their offensive line, I mean, their offensive line is in utter shambles. Utter shambles. That is a team that went from being, oh, they're going to win this division because the division's so terrible, to we may be the worst team in the National Football League right now. Amazing how fast it turns. Oh, they've they've been awful. And his defense, how he got the job, that's a whole different that's a whole different show, let alone segment <laughs> yeah. in and of itself. But we keep it moving forward. The trade deadline is coming up Tuesday, Election Day. Yeah, the NFL just planned that greatly. Uh, Zach, who's the team that needs to make a move most? Who do you think might be the biggest name on the move? You know, it's interesting. You see these teams making moves. You see, uh, obviously, Antonio Brown going to be on the Bucks, And you see Des Bryant signing to the Ravens practice squad. These are teams that are clearly, and these are the ones you're gonna, you're looking at the teams that are, that are in the upper tier that really think they have a chance to contend. Le'Veon Bell signing with the Chiefs, you know these are, and you see these other pieces. Uh, Seattle adding Dunlap, um, you know these are teams that are saying we're right there. And then you're going to have the other teams like the Jets, like the Giants, uh, like a number of other teams that are going to be sellers. So. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's always a name or two that pops up around this time. You're like, whoa, really? They're they're thinking about you know moving this guy, and it used to be it never happened. Like trades never happen in the NFL, especially player for player trades in season. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think that's who you're looking at now. That's who the focus is on. It's on these teams in the in the AFC. Uh, you know, the Ravens, the Chiefs, um, even teams like the Bills. Bills are in kind of a you know, they're going backwards, it seems, a little bit right now. Everybody was on their bandwagon a few weeks ago. But the Packers, um, Packers need a receiver. You know, they, if they could pair someone with Devontae Adams, there's been talk of Galladay being available from Detroit. The Giants were rumored to be in on him, which Dave Gettleman should, you know, he's the guy that it's like, okay, we got to take away your keys. You know, we, we just got to put them, you're done. You can't make any more moves. Galladay's a guy who's going to, he may make, 18, 20 million bucks a year next year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. And like I just said, it's more interesting these days than it used to be in the NFL because there's a lot more activity than there used to be. Right. And you basically, I mean, Antonio Brown is basically, I mean, it's not a trade player for player, but you're you're upgrading your roster. Let's not forget in Seattle, number one, I like the Carlos Dunlap trade for them because again, it doesn't fix their defense, but it adds a veteran in there who's finally on a winning team. I mean, he was in Cincinnati, and you know, if you're if you know anything about Cincinnati, I don't have to explain that further for you. Let's not forget about Josh Gordon. Seattle has Josh Gordon, and we're just waiting for him to get reinstated. Now that could be three years from now when he gets reinstated. We don't know. We don't know what's going through Rogers' head. Uh, I really don't care to know what's going through his head. But they have that in the in their back pocket, and we've seen what Tyler Lockett does, as you mentioned. And DK Metcalf, what he's become, you add Josh Gordon to that offense, it gets even better. And let's not forget, they've been playing the last few weeks without Jamal Adams. So when he comes back, if and when he comes back finally healthy, it's basically like a trade acquisition. You're just getting more talent to 
to boost your roster. And I think it's really interesting to watch these teams. And we're going to talk a little bit about Le'Veon Bell a little bit later. But uh, just a little COVID update. Try to do this every week. The Texans shut down their facility after they had a positive test. But the big news really was Giants, Will Hernandez, their guard, uh, as if he was as if he was blocking anything to begin with. Uh, He has tested positive for coronavirus, and he will be out this week. I believe all but four of the Giants offensive linemen got sent home. They were back today, I believe. I think they came back. Yep, and the two coaches or staff members, I believe, were also back in the building. They were not high risk. Uh, They were just deemed, I get close contact. So, uh, yeah, it looks like Hernandez is the only one. There were a couple other teams that I saw popped up with cases. I don't know if anything happened uh, today. I believe the Vikings were one, and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on who the other one was. It was one other team uh, that came up with one case. So it is. It's a week-to-week thing, and you're just every day they test, and you see in the morning generally, okay, this team popped one, this team popped one. Uh, but they, amazingly, were in week eight, and... There We're hasn't, still playing. Yeah, there hasn't been this massive impact. Uh, and it, they're they're doing their best and, and are keeping a pretty good lid on it. Yeah, outside of Tennessee was the really only big major outbreak, and they were found to have done no wrongdoing, apparently. So I don't know what was going on there. But again, it's in, in Tampa Bay, or I call them Tampa Bay. <laughs> now uh, they had an equipment staff member test positive, but I don't believe any of the players were set up. So uh, last story before we get into our picks for the week, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, torn ACL last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. You really feel for a guy like that. And again, I, not everything he's done in his career has been perfect. Nobody, I mean, how many how many athletes can you say that? But uh, just a guy that he, he just wants to win. You can, you see it. And, and yeah, does he make it about himself? Yeah, but could himself be the reason teams win? I believe so, and and their offense has looked better without Odell. But here's my thing. I think when they get to the postseason and you need a guy who can go make you a play in crunch time, I think that's when they miss him. In the regular season, I think you can get away with it without him. T, uh, Rashard Higgins, you know, doing whatever you do with it, uh, with Kevin Stefanski's system. But uh, I, I think come postseason time, you're going to miss Odell Beckham Jr. And 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 honestly, you just feel for the guy who, who lost the season in 2017, with the Giants and now loses this season to a torn ACL. Uh, Zach, what are your thoughts? I think, you know, Odell, being a Giants fan, I was not unhappy when they shipped him out. Uh, clearly, I would have hoped that the draft capital and the you know player capital they got back had worked out a bit better to this point. But uh, as far as Odell goes, yeah, I, I think that with that team, the way that team is set up, now they're set up to run the ball, right? They're, but they've been a little bit, haven't been as great with, with that over the last couple of weeks, faced a couple tough tough opponents. Uh, at the same time, they're missing Nick Chubb, who should be back after their bye, we think. But uh, Odell's a guy who, yeah, I mean, it, it, he's a field stretcher, and he's an electric player. And on the field has been much less of his issue, especially in these last few years. He had some stupid stuff he did with the Giants on the field. But these last couple of years, on the field has not been the issue. You referenced it. He's an attention guy. There are a lot of receivers in the league these days who are. That's that's unfortunately, in my opinion, part of what has happened at that position with the best players. We just <laughs> talked about Antonio Brown. I mean, for crying out loud, that guy is a guy who, off the field, if you didn't have an, you know, if there, if you didn't have to worry about off the field, you're talking about one of the greatest players ever who hasn't missed any time. I think Odell, 
will come back strong. But I'm I do look at Odell this way now. Odell's not, you know, he's not just out of college anymore. And coming back from a major injury like this, is Odell going to be a guy who his first year or two in the league? Oh, this guy's an all timer. You know, this guy has talents we've never seen on the football field. And now we're getting to a point where we're saying, okay, is he going to spend the rest of his career and then retire as kind of like, oh, yeah, he was a good player, but, you know, and then go into all the other stuff. And I don't know. I mean, even healthy on this team, I agree with you. Postseason, you need that guy. You need that weapon. You need that for your de- to keep defenses more honest. And they're going to miss him. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just think we're starting to see potentially a guy whose ceiling was unlimited, and now it seems on his career anyway, it, it's it's pretty capped. Yeah, could we could he join the list of the one of the biggest what ifs yep. in sports? You look at basketball. Greg Oden comes to mind. Brandon Roy of the Portland Trailblazers yep. comes to mind. Those type of guys, the biggest what ifs. Now they played a lot less than Odell did, but you could you could see it. You could see the potential. And yeah, I mean, you look at Stefanski's system. He had Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. That should tell you what you need to know. They're going to rely on the run, and then they're going to throw it. How did you beat Kirk Cousins in the Vikings last year? You forced Kirk Cousins to beat you. Well, that would be a little bit easier if you had a star wide receiver out there like Odell Beckham Jr. who can go up and get it and beat whoever he wants when he wants. So we're going to move into our Week 8 picks. I can't believe this could be the halfway point. Amazing. of the regular season. It's it's unreal the job that they have done. All the credit to them uh, right now. We're going to kick it off in Buffalo with the with the struggling, struggling Patriots who may see a quarterback change this weekend. Taking on the Bills who have struggled, and in particular Josh Allen. He has not looked like the MVP candidate that he once did the first four weeks of the season. Zach, who are you taking? In that game, I mean, it's a must win for New England. It, it really is. This is this game defines their the rest of their season, as far as I'm concerned. They don't win this game. They're uh, you know you can write it off, and they may be writing it off at this point because Cam Newton, since he came back from COVID, has not looked good. Uh, he's looked terrible. I mean, if you want to you know not mince words about it, Josh Allen on the other side, like you just said, everybody's been was talking him up as the MVP of the league potentially in the first few weeks. And he is still a guy who, I mean, that guy melted worse than anybody I think I've ever seen in the playoffs against Houston last year. So the lights get bright and uh, he, he makes big turnovers still. I don't know. I mean, that, that game to me is kind of a toss-up. I'm going to take the Bills in it just because I think the Bills have more talent. They're a better team. And I feel like they're almost getting to a point of not desperation necessarily, but we got we to gotta turn this thing around, get it back where it was. And I just think the Patriots, Patriots don't have the weapons. I mean, obviously Brady's gone. Newton looked good for the first few weeks. Their defense lost a lot of players from last year. Now you got Gilmore, who I believe tweaked his knee in uh, practice. He's not, I don't think he's going to be there potentially on Sunday. So uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Bills in that game and really kind of, you know, kick off the true. I don't think the Patriots will be a true rebuild. You could see them back at 11 wins next year. But their quarterback situation is not great right now. Well, uh, here's here's an interesting note on Gilmore. His house went up for sale. Oh. And the deadline for all the bids, Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. <laughs> oh, geez. So keep that in the back of your mind. They might be looking to deal him. Let's not forget they lost, what, six to eight players that opted out of yep. the season. Yep. Patrick Chung being one of them, a big, big-time safety. Dante Hightower yep. as well. So they lost a lot of key parts. Uh, uh, Bill, you know, Bill's a Bill's a great coach, always has been. 
will always have his team ready. And I think that's what makes this matchup interesting. Because I think on paper, you look at it and you go, well, yeah, this should be a blowout. The problem is, Josh Allen, one of the lowest IQs in terms of when he scrambles. We saw what he did against Houston when he starts pitching the ball backwards yep. and all this other really ridiculous stuff. Well, guess what? A Bill Belichick team is going to be prepared for that. They're going to take advantage of that. I'm still taking Buffalo up there. Uh, uh, Cuomo's not letting any fans up there, or, the, or else they'd be rioting in the in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Bills Mafia up there. I'm still going to take the Bills. I think they find a way to win this game. I don't think it's a blowout like many expect. I do think it is a close game, a divisional game, and I, I'm just going to give the edge to the Bills in this one. Well, we're going to move on to Cincinnati, a team again was in position to beat Cleveland last week. Probably should have beat Cleveland if not for Baker Mayfield's heroics, the Donovan Peoples Jones. But uh, they they get Tennessee this week, coming off the tough loss to Pittsburgh, where they just, if they had played average in the first half, they would have won that game. They made such a great comeback to get in the game. I I am seeing vengeance in Derrick Henry's eyes. I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. They said, oh, you know, Tennessee might be tired coming off that big comeback. I said, you know who's not tired? 22. That dude is not tired. Never. That dude, it, he just does not care. And I don't think there's a soul in this in the city of Cincinnati that wants to tackle Derrick Henry, let alone on the football team. You trade away Carlos Dunlap. I I just I just think Derrick Henry has one of those days, and he has a field day on the Cincinnati defense. Zach, your thoughts? Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Cincinnati's defense is putrid. Uh, their pass defense is terrible. Their run defense is terrible. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is a guy who, once he apparently got away from Adam Gase, turned into a very good quarterback. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the quarterback whisperer couldn't whisper to him, but uh, apparently they're, they're whispering pretty well to him there in Tennessee because he's, I mean, you talk about a guy who could be in the MVP conversation at the end of the year. This is a guy who puts up numbers every week. And uh, and you, you mentioned Henry. I mean, geez, that Henry against that front of Cincinnati is it's a massacre waiting to happen. I see that as a blowout game. I know it's in Cincinnati. I know that Burrow has has given them some hope and some inspiration. He looks like certainly the real deal. Cincinnati is a lot more entertaining to watch than they have been in I don't know a decade plus uh, at least. I mean, the Marvin Lewis teams were always you always knew they were going out in the playoffs. Guy couldn't win a game. They're more interest. They're a more interesting team now. Tennessee's a very, very good team. Potentially a great team. I think that's a blowout. Yeah, Burrow has looked really good though. I will, I will give him a lot of credit. I didn't know how he transitioned to the pros, and again, especially being in Cincinnati. But he's looked terrific. He's looked poised. He looks great. Moving on to Cleveland, and uh, boy, boy, would you? When was the last time you thought you'd be sitting here saying the Browns are five and two? Uh, quite the odd predicament we find ourselves in. Thought about it last year, right? They were saying right. last year, we're you know, come they, get us. Yeah, basically. and they yeah. all the Super Bowl stuff and yep. all that baloney. But we're gonna move on. They're gonna they're gonna host the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders are in a must win in this game. I really do. There's there. I believe they're three and three. I believe that sounds about right. And listen, this is an AFC that's that's really good from top to bottom. You got to start stockpiling some wins here, and uh, I just don't see it. I see in Cleveland, I see I see a Raiders team that is struggling, a Derek Carr who's inconsistent, a John Gruden who you don't know what he's going to draw up. Is he going to listen to the analytics? Is he going to is he going to you know uh, crap all over them? What is he going to do? I like Cleveland in this game. I think they get that run game going. I think they get the best left tackle in the draft, Jedrick Wills. Is going to start going at some guys. Wink, wink, Giants. 
the best left tackle in the draft. And uh, I think that run game gets going enough and that defense is just good enough and Jarvis Landry makes a few plays, not a ton, but a few, and Cleveland comes out on top. I agree. I mean, I think I would take Cleveland in this game too. It's a, it's an interesting game. I think it's a good game and it's, it has a potential to be a very entertaining game. Uh, but you just you just hit it there. Raiders' run defense is not very good, and the Browns are a run-first team. And uh, in Cleveland, I think they're going to try to grind them down. I don't think a guy like Derek Carr, again, fans are not in the stands, so it is a different different kind of animal playing on the road than it was. But, uh, but I agree. I'm taking the Browns. I think it's going to be a close game. Raiders are another team, kind of like Cincinnati, terrible forever. Uh, becoming a lot more interesting and a lot more fun to watch, a lot more entertaining. But they still got holes on defense, and uh, I think Cleveland. I, you said it; they're five and two. Raiders in a must-win spot. They are three and three, and uh, but I think I think Cleveland finds enough in this one and can control the clock enough in this game because of that Raiders run D, where uh, they end up on top. Yeah, and I think in a must-win, who knows? Maybe you see something. Gruden does something like Riverboat Ron did. Maybe he goes for two at the end. You never know. It's going to be really fascinating to watch. We're going to move on to Indianapolis at Detroit. A really interesting game, I want to say. It seems boring on paper, but Detroit has won two in a row. Indianapolis has this stifling defense. And they got Phillip Rivers, the ultimate wild card at quarterback, by the way. You never know which mistake he's going to make. uh, or, Or is he going to look like a Hall of Famer? You never know. This is a really difficult game to pick. I'm this is tough. I like Indianapolis in this game. And I don't know why. This is one of those games where I, I just feel like Indianapolis is going to win. I really don't know why. I think Phillip doesn't have enough turnovers to cost them the game and takes care of the ball. And that defense, I really like that defense. And I was looking at this injury report for Darius Leonard, their linebacker, who had been out in previous weeks looking for him. They have no injured players on their injury report this week. Give me the Colts. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Colts are just a better team. I'm not a. I don't trust Matt Patricia uh, as a head coach. I, I, I don't know. He's just. He just seems to me. Some coaches just seem from the get go to be a bit over their head. He seems to be that to me. Making and his team seem to fold late again. Teams that have losing histories a lot of times continue that trend. And while the Colts to me, while both these teams to me strike me as pretty nondescript. You know, the Colts again with their run game. Phillip Rivers is a guy who, I don't know. I think that, I think Phillip Rivers at QB is going to be what, what stops their progress this season. That, I don't think he is a guy who can take them deep. Um, even if the the rest of the team kind of gets on a roll, his arm is, it's not great. It's not good. He can't, he can't, he throws a bad deep ball. Uh, but in this game, even though it's in Detroit, I, I'll still take the Colts. I'm with you. Well, and uh, we all know that if Detroit gets up double digits, they're likely yeah. to lose. That's, you know, history is not on their side. We're going to move into the next two games, which I don't think are going to be particularly close. We're going Minnesota at Green Bay in the 1 o'clock window. Uh, Zach, I, I don't have too much to say about this. Uh, Justin Jefferson has it for Minnesota. Kirk Cousins does not. And that's a problem considering you need Kirk Cousins to get you the ball. That defense has been atrocious. And uh, Green Bay, outside of the Tampa game, and even to start the Tampa game, that offense is dynamo. And that defense doesn't have to be perfect, but it, it it's good enough. And when that offense is clicking, because right now we're seeing 2015 Aaron Rodgers. 
you know, we are seeing an Aaron Rodgers we haven't seen for years. And it's great to see. And him and Matt LaFleur gelling and with the, with the I don't even know, the JV wide receivers that he has and JV tight ends, uh, they do a terrific job. I don't think this is particularly close, especially at Lambeau. I think this is a blowout. I, I tend to agree. I think that you have uh, a team in Minnesota, like you said, not going to be able to stop Rodgers uh, with the way he's playing. Green Bay's probably not going to have Aaron Jones again. Uh, it looks like he sat out of practice again today. He's missed uh, the whole week with the calf, but he can't. He sat out last week. You plug Jamal Williams into that, and he goes. You know, he touches the ball twenty-four times, scores a touchdown, has a solid game, five catches. I want to say, or at least five targets out of the backfield. Um, and I agree with you. I, I just don't see any way Minnesota holds up against Green Bay at Lambeau. And Green Bay is a team too that's not exactly like the Browns, but in a sort of fashion where let's get, let's run the ball and you have obviously an all time great quarterback and what he gives you will dictate. So when Aaron Rodgers gives you 2015 Aaron Rodgers, that offense is unstoppable. Why? Because you have arguably the greatest quarterback in the league. And you had, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you had, when they lost to the Bucks and got blown out, that was the first instance of the season where he got dirty. You know, yeah. he's been kept clean basically the whole year. And the Bucks defense is, is turning into a scary monster uh, fitting around Halloween time. But they're, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is going to have time to throw against Minnesota. He's And when he has time to throw, he's going to cut you to pieces. That's oh, just absolutely. the way it is. And and their their pass win rate percentage, it's, you know, that's that's getting a little nerdy for the offensive line in, inside of me. But uh, <laughs> it's it's terrific. It's beautiful to watch. And, uh, and a lot of fun. We're going to the next blowout. And I'm going to call this one of the toilet bowls of the week. And, and not because of who's going to win. Uh, can't, the, New York, the New York, if you want to call mm-hmm. them the football team, the Jets, at Kansas City. This, to me, is the Le'Veon Bell game. If I'm, if I'm the Chiefs, I say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You've done a terrific job. Go sit on the bench until, it, in the odd case, knock on wood, that Le'Veon gets hurt. That's the only time you're getting in the game. I'm letting Le'Veon touch this thing 30 times. I'm letting him absolutely implode on this Jets team. So, Zach, I'm not even going to ask you who wins. By how much? I was spread, I think I saw this morning, 19 and a half. That was via ESPN.com, yes. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to think this game ends up, unless the Chiefs really take their, can take their foot off the gas for a quarter, quarter and a half, which, which may well happen. You know they might run the ball for uh, half the whole second half, but I'm gonna go. I'll go 44, 44-13. Yeah, it seems like one of those games that I'm just checking the weather right now. Kansas City, it's gonna be 51 and beautiful. So the Jets don't. It. The Jets don't even have the benefit of like, oh, it might snow and the ball might bounce. <laughs> no. no, no, the Jets, you get no bounces. And I heard people say, let's fire Adam Gase after this game. Why? You're expected to lose this game. You should have fired him weeks ago. You should have fired him maybe after the Miami loss. Yeah. I think that would be, that's more shocking to me. You would expect to lose this game. Right now, you keep Adam Gase. Why? Because he is the key to get you Trevor Lawrence. Yep. If that's who you want and who you're going to go after, he is the ticket to get you there. Poor Sam Darnold, man. And yeah, really. Jeez, just, absolutely. You, you can't. You can't get Delson. Mono last year, worst hand. injury, hands. Oh. oh man, and a terrible coach. And I a mean, terrible. You throw that on top of the mix for you. I don't even know if terrible does justice. So bad. I mean, it is just he is such a bad head coach, and somehow, some way, it happens in every sport. You get these guys who can convince owners 
that they have the magic recipe, even though they've never cooked it in their lives. It, with the exception of one year with Peyton Manning in Denver, that's that's Adam Gase's whole resume. It's his whole re- and one playoff season in Miami where it was just you knew the team was garbage. They played a bad schedule and they made the playoffs. Uh, I don't know, man, but he's got the Johnson boys uh, pretty wrapped around his fingers. Well, it was Peyton Manning's whisper. I mean, he should have whispered it. Called him the quarterback whisperer one time, and that has set off this whole dynamo factory. But we're going to go down south to Florida, the great state of Florida, and oh boy, what a what a whirlwind they're in. But uh, we've got the Los Angeles Rams fresh off their win off the Bears, which I correctly predicted last week, by the way, just so everybody knows that. Traveling down to Miami where Tua Tagovailoa is going to make his debut. Now, what a debut, right? Against a team that I believe is second in the league in scoring, probably first in the league in sacks, second in like yards all out, whatever. Uh, ridiculous defense going down to Miami. Zach, I don't know why I'm taking Miami. I just, I, I think he comes out hot. I think this offensive line has been bashed the last three weeks on Twitter. I've been watching the whole thing unfold. They've been coming to the fence. I think they stand up this week. Again, what they do with Aaron Donald, I don't know. What does anybody do with Aaron Donald? Who knows? Yep. I just have a feeling Miami comes out hot in this game. This is my upset of the week. I'm taking the Dolphins at home. They're going to get the four and three, and the Bills are going to sweat a little bit more. That's it. You know, that's a, it, it's an extremely interesting game. The two aspect of it is a complete wild card right now. You don't know what he's going to look like or be. Uh, coming out for his first start. But you know what? In a general sense, even when their teams are absolutely atrocious, and there have been plenty of them over the last uh, recent years in Miami, teams have a tough time playing in Miami. Now, you're talking about a team that is... Tra- they, they play in warm weather, I'll grant you that, but they're traveling across the country. They're playing in Miami. The humidity, the heat, all this stuff. It get Even the Brady Patriots, the Brady-Belichick Patriots, Always had a tough time going to Miami and beating them in Miami. They beat them 37 nothing in New England, but it would always be seem to be a dogfight in Miami. Uh, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to call the Dolphins upset, but I see why you're doing it, and it certainly would not shock me if they win that game. I'll go Rams in that game by field goal, maybe something right right around there. But I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to come down to the end. Yeah, Brady's house of horrors, yeah. along with Denver, uh, really. And you look at Denver, they have the altitude effect yep. and all that kind of stuff. I think I think the other thing, too, with the Rams is 1 o'clock start on the East Coast. It's very dangerous for West Coast teams. I don't have to stand in front of me, but it's, uh, it's pretty awful, although the Raiders are all-time worst going from uh, West to East. But we're going to keep it moving. So that's my upset of the pick. Uh, ep- upset of the week, excuse me. We're going to move to Denver, that Brady house of horrors where they're going to play the Los Angeles Chargers. Again, another rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, who, credit to him, again, who knew what he was going to be? And uh, he's looked, he's got Tyrod Taylor out of a job. Like, and then, you know, not intentionally, a, a accidental punctured lung, yeah. whatever the heck that means. Yeah. You know, this game is really difficult to pick. Denver's been inconsistent all year, but the Chargers can't close a game. I'm going to take the Chargers this week. I really, I really like this team. Again, if they can ever get healthy on defense, I think that defense can be scary. Derwin James in particular. I want that guy back in the league. I want him playing well. I think Los Angeles coming off their bye week. uh, Well, I mean, they they had a bye. They played the Jaguars. So basically two bye weeks in a row. And I think they go into Denver and I think they win one. Now, that comes with challenges. Obviously, the mile high 
and everything like that. I said Denver, I've said this all along on the podcast. Denver is the one place where there is a home field advantage, whether there's fans or not. And now they have fans and they have the altitude advantage. I'm still going to take the Chargers in this one. I think they're just a little bit better, maybe by a field goal. Yeah, it's going to be a tight game. Division game. Division games are always a little uglier. They're always a little, you know, there's, there's, and it, it, a lot of times it doesn't matter. What, and these are two teams that aren't, neither one is lighting the world on fire. Herbert is, he looks like the real deal. Uh, no doubt about that. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to go with the Broncos. Why? I'm not even sure. Just the fact that they're home. It's a division game. Uh, I would have liked to have seen the Chargers. If I thought there was more to them, I would have liked to have seen them beat Jacksonville a little bit more, bigger than they did last week. Uh, that was a game that I thought, because Jacksonville's hideous. Uh, so I'm going to ride with the Broncos, but that's not giving the Broncos much credit. I'm not giving the Broncos much credit. There's a few teams in the league every year that you look at them and you're just like, it's like kind of like paint drying. Yep. And the Broncos are one of those teams this year, but I think they pull this one out this week. Yeah, and I, I think I, I, you know, honestly, what swayed me away from the Broncos was their performance last week. Now they did play the Chiefs, yes. However, they did play in Denver. They did play. It was snowing, so you had a little bit. You know, I thought they would just have a pulse. You know, now it's going to be 64 and sunny in Denver, which Denver, you'd never know. The weather could be 100 one day and <laughs> yeah. snowing the next, which it did in the summertime, by the way, which is absolutely absurd. But uh, that that kind of took me away from Denver a little bit. We're going to move into one of the, one of the more interesting matchups of the week: New Orleans at Chicago. Chicago might be missing Allen Robinson this week. We're not one hundred percent sure yet. Pro- I would guess that's a game time decision, likely to be. But we saw that offense putrid, absolutely terrible against New Orleans, who may or may not have Michael Thomas. We've seen what they have been without Michael Thomas. We've seen what old Drew Brees looks like. I, Zach, I'm going to let you go first because I don't need. I still don't think I know who I'm picking in this game. I think if this game, I think it's it's all about where the game is because I think if this game is in New Orleans, I'm not. I don't have a question about it, regardless of whether they have Thomas. I just felt have felt, and everybody knows for years the Saints are a different team when they're in that dome. Um, you you you, men, you mentioned Breeze, the Bears to me, despite their record, are also one of those teams. When I look at them, I'm like, what? what is really good about this team, right? Like they're, they have a guy at receiver, they're running backs. Okay. Nick Foles is the quarterback. You know, they have Khalil Mack. They have some defensive pieces. Um, but they, I also, I'm not a fan of Nagy. I don't think Nagy's a very good coach. So I'm going with the saints in this. And I, I think that the only reason this one would be, I think if this game was in new Orleans, I think the saints win by 10, 14 points. Um, it'll be close because Saints games on the road always are, but I'm going to go New Orleans on this in this one by uh, say a field goal. So unfortunately, especially on this podcast and in life in general, it seem to give people too many chances. And well, all year I have a buddy that lives in Chicago, big Bears fan. I've picked against the Bears, I believe, every single week of the season. I'm going to pick them this week. Hey, listen to me. They are they are the worst. I said this last week. They were the worst five and one team in NFL history. They're the worst five and two team in in NFL history. I just that outdoor effect a little bit. I I don't know. Akeem Hicks in the middle of that defense. It's crazy when you talk about a defense with Khalil Mack on it that he's not the heart and soul of that defense. Akeem Hicks yep. right in the middle right. is the heart and soul of that defense. I think Roquan Smith has a huge day at linebacker. And again, Nick Foles just another guy that. It just seems to do enough, you know. It, 
And that's that was the problem with their whole quarterback competition because both guys literally just do enough to keep you enticed, and then they then they throw you down the well. Yeah, and, horrible you know, turnover, whatever. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's not pretty. It, no, not not pretty at all. I'm going to take Chicago. New Orleans historically has struggled outdoors. Drew Brees in particular has struggled outdoors. Give me Chicago. Uh, I hope it doesn't come down to a field goal because Chicago probably loses at that point. Uh, but I'm going to take Chicago in this one at home. We're going to move into San Francisco at Seattle. I really like this game. I really do. And if you watch last year's game, I believe Seattle lost in San Francisco. Uh, the 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 kicker missed one, and then he came back and made it. And it was the dude that like it was like his third day in the NFL. Some ridiculous yeah. story yeah. like that. Then they go to Seattle with the division on the line and make a stop on the one-inch line, not the one-yard line. They make it on the one-inch line. That's how close Seattle came to winning the division last year. These two teams, fun game. Really wish it was flexed into the 820 because we're going to talk about that. That's our toilet yeah. bowl of the week. Yeah. Uh, but I, this is tough. I like Seattle in this game. I think the 49ers have been very inconsistent. They've had a lot of injuries. I, you know, There's no fronting about that. But I, I really do just believe in this Seattle team Russell Wilson in Russ we trust. My roommate's from Seattle. He texts me that all the time. In Russ we trust. You saw DK Metcalf turn into Usain Bolt last week. I mean, this team and and Tyler Lock. I it it's just. I think that defense does enough in Seattle. Now again, I know they have no fans, but playing in Seattle, it's just a little bit different. It is the division game, so expect some wacky stuff. And uh, but I'm going to take Seattle by likely a field goal. Why? Because they don't really play games that are blowouts. Honestly, they they either lose by three or win by three or somewhere in between. So give me Seattle this week. They had, they showed a stat in Seattle's in the Seattle Arizona game where Seattle is fourteen and two in one score game. Their last sixteen one score games, which you just said it. Every game it seems, whether it seems like it should be a mismatch in their favor or whether it should be a game that you think they're going to lose by potentially more than seven or eight. They all become close games. And that is, I think, because Seattle's defense is nothing like it used to be. The Legion of Boom is long gone. Uh, but you mentioned Russ, man. Russ, to me, is right now, if you're telling me you got to take one QB in the NFL, I'm going to take Russ. Because when you talk about extending plays, when you're talking about being able to drop the ball wherever it needs to be, uh, the locket touchdowns last week, that was like all of them. They were they were teardrops, you know, these rainbows that just drop right into the guy's hand, right in the right position. Uh, we don't know if Chris Carson's going to play uh, running back, but I'm not too concerned about that. Seattle always finds a way to run the ball one way or the other. Uh, Hyde is banged up as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking Russell Wilson. These division games, San Francisco and Seattle's always an entertaining game, no matter where, where it's played over the last few years. And uh, I'm going to take Seattle in this game. I actually think Seattle's going to win this game by a decent margin, and that's probably that's probably you know blasphemy because they're what we just talked about. They're pension to play close games, but uh, I think they win by maybe a touchdown, maybe a little bit more. And I just see, especially coming off what was a really tough loss for them against Arizona, a game they had in the bag. I mean, let's be honest, they had that game in the bag multiple times. Yeah, multiple, multiple times. times. And you give credit to Kyler Murray in Arizona for coming back and, and winning that game. But uh, but I think coming off that loss, facing a division po- opponent at home, they're probably their most hated division opponent at home. I think that gets the blood and the juices boiling. 
And uh, I think Seattle wins that one. Well, and you talked about Russ's deep ball. And, and this is something, I mean, sports science, you know, back when that was the thing on ESPN, they got to do something with this because they, they were talking about it the whole time on NBC. It's unreal what he does. It really is spectacular. And, and, and again, he's just a guy, what was it, back in 2014 against the Packers at home to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game. The dude threw like four picks. Yep. He had a QBR of like, I think it was almost negative. Might as well have been negative. What does he do? He bounces back. And and in the biggest moments, he plays his best football. A guy that I just don't think we've given the right credit to. Totally agree. I, I just, not yet. Not yet. I think I think we're starting to get there. And I think it's because Seattle's uncorking him. You're, start, you're yeah. starting to see they were, we're going to run the football. Then we're going to play action. No, now this is Russ's team. He's doing what he needs to do to win football games. And I love seeing it. We're going to go to the toilet bowl this week. That is Dallas at Philadelphia. Zach, I don't even know if I'm watching this game this week. 820, I'll probably be in bed for work at 330. But uh, this is Philadelphia. This should be Philadelphia. This makes all the sense of the world to be Philadelphia. But it's, you know, through our conversation, it screams a wacky game. It really, really does. Because we saw Philly against the Giants not look great. But I... I mean, I would tell you right now, I think the Giants are better than the Cowboys right now after what, what we've seen the past few weeks. And uh, I, I, it's got to be Philadelphia, right? Like, if yeah. Carson Wentz loses this game, the pre, the criticism come Monday morning, oh, man, I, I wouldn't want to be him. I don't know what's happened to him, uh, you know, but I think the, the Giants game last week was a great example of what we talked about earlier. Bad teams, losing teams, fine ways to lose ga- lose games. And the Eagles and Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, they, I mean, they, they, they've they been there before. And they know how to win games. They know how to close games. They did it to the Giants. I th- I see this as, uh, now, none of us know, who is the quarterback? Nick Danico. Nick ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci. You want to talk about Italian name? DiNucci. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Ben DiNucci is the quarterback. Uh, and unless Ben DiNucci is some revelation that we don't know about, we saw the Cowboys' offensive line and what's happened to them. We saw what the Eagles' defensive line did to a terrible Giants' offensive line uh, last week. And I agree. I'd be surprised if the Eagles don't bl- don't win in blowout fashion in this game. Yeah, and you got the fans there in Philadelphia, and they're ruthless. I mean, they threw snowballs at Santa Claus. They apparently <laughs> throw batteries on the field, too. Only like, place in the, in the country, man, where they had to put a jail in the stadium. Unreal, so. but, I mean, Fletcher Cox, you mentioned that defensive line is, is scary, scary good when they get rolling, and uh, I, I look for them to have a big day. We're going to touch upon our last game on Sunday uh, before we move forward. We got Pittsburgh at Baltimore, and I saved this one for last because this is the game of the week by... To me, a large, large margin. How is this not Sunday night? I don't. I. I really. How is this a one o'clock window? How is it a one o'clock game? Why is game? this a one o'clock window? They did this in the Pittsburgh Tennessee game last week. Awful. Absolute disgrace. Okay. Unreal. How this isn't the eight o'clock game. This rivalry has been so close, and and just points per game have been, I believe, almost identical, if not off by half a point. Victories in the last day. I forget however many was. They were deadlocked. I really don't know who to pick in this game. I think Baltimore's coming off their bye. Remember, Pittsburgh had to switch around weeks with Tennessee, messing up the whole damn thing. So the Ravens ended up, they were supposed to play the Steelers last week, ended up getting a bye out of that, now play the Steelers this week. It's going to be it's going to be really, really fun to watch. And I, I really, I'm going to take Baltimore. I, but I, you can hear, I, I just don't, yeah. I really don't know. 
If if that Pittsburgh defense stifles the run, which they should, which they have been doing all year, I think it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Can he grow up? And if he does, could this be the springboard moving forward to see what we could see down the road? I'm going to take Baltimore at home. I like them at home. I like that. I like that defense to stand up just a little bit. Take away Chase Claypool. Uh, it's no secret anymore. You got to take him away first. And uh, I think they do just enough. I think Justin Tucker is a massive weapon in this game. So I'm giving the edge to Baltimore by uh, a field goal, one point, two points, yep. something like that. The spread should not be anything more than three. No, and and it is. It's 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 really as an NFL fan the type of game you just love, dream of. Uh, you you have two terrific offenses. Uh, two smash mouth teams just in general, two terrific head coaches in Tomlin and uh, Harbaugh, Uh, the quarterbacks. Now that Roethlisberger's back this year, you actually see what the team is compared to what they were last year. And when you think about that team, that team almost made the playoffs last year without Roethlisberger. That team was horrendous last year on offense without Roethlisberger, and they almost pulled it off and made it into the playoffs. If the playoffs were uh, expanded as they are this year, Pittsburgh would have been in last year. So hard to pick a, pick a winner in this game. I am going to go with the Steel Curtain. Uh, I am not e- even exactly sure why. It's such an even matchup. I just think that there's something about this Pittsburgh team. The defensive side of the ball with them has been getting better every year. I think it's arrived. I think it's officially arrived this year in every way, shape, or form. Um, is this the game that Lamar Jackson... Because he's kind of been a little bottled this year. You know, there's been games they blew teams out. They didn't need to use him. He had a little issue with his knee. Uh, tough, tough matchup. I could see this as a game where Jackson is more more of a weapon on the ground than through the air. Uh, I would not put, I think Pittsburgh probably puts a spy on him or at least tries to. But I'm going to say at the end, I'm, I'm going to go, uh, I'll go 27-26 Steelers on a uh, a last-minute field goal to take it home. Yeah, and listen, I'm no betting man, but if I was, stay the hell away from stay this away. game. Stay uh, away. Stay away. Just enjoy the game. Don't, don't, don't bet on this game. Don't bet the spread. Don't bet the over-under. Nope. Don't bet. Just enjoy. You just said it. Absolutely. Enjoy the game. Enjoy enjoy the game. And you mentioned those Steelers quarterback. Uh, we call them Duck, Duck, Goose, uh, Duck Hodges. Yep. And uh, Mason, the Rudolph, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that, that just... That just enlightens you on who was playing quarterback last year. Uh, we're going to move to Monday night. And uh, unf- sadly, our favorite teams at, yeah. at certain points. Uh, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New York Football Giants. Zach, the spread for this game is minus 10.5 in favor of Tampa Bay, of course. And if you had asked me to pick this week one after what we saw, I probably would have told you close game. I, I could I could talk myself into believing close game. Will Hernandez out again. Hasn't blocked much, so I don't, you know, I He's don't. He's been see, decent in run blocking. His pass block, their whole line's pass blocking is an atrocity. And I mean, if there's a dude going to get in a fight in, during the game, Will Hernandez is suspect number one. Um, but <laughs> yeah. the way this Tampa Bay team looks, the way they're rolling right now, I don't think this game is close. I I really don't. Brady's had some great games in MetLife Stadium against the Jets, of course, but. I just, I, I see Tom Brady throwing the ball all over this team. Now, Chris Godwin is out, so that's I, that helps the Giants secondary a little bit. Put James Radbury essentially on Mike Evans. They don't get Antonio Brown until next week. Right. So, uh, but he's starting to find Gronk now again like he used to. He's starting to throw the ball like he ha- hasn't in the past two, three years. 
Give me Tom Brady in this game all, all day. Even when he doesn't have everybody. He's doing the same thing that he did in New England. Look at a guy like Scotty Miller, right? On Turning Tampa into Bay. Julian Edelman. Right. Yep. And who, by the way, unfortunately for Julian, it might be he might be getting to the end of the road here. Um, but uh, he does this. He transforms, and he's got when, another guy. You give this guy protection, he's going to find people. You, keep, you give him a clean pocket, he's going to find people. I don't trust the Giants to get to him. On the other side of the ball... I think Daniel Jones needs to take out a life insurance policy before this game because this you're talking about a guy who is, I mean, if Eli Manning was the Giants quarterback in this game, he might get sacked a dozen times. And that's, I'm not joking. Like that's not, I'm not even trying to inflate that number. Todd Bowles is a hell of a lot better defensive coordinator than he was a head coach. This team started to make that turn in the second half of last year on the defensive side of the ball were one of the top teams all year last year against the run on the defensive side. And now they have a pass rush. Don't forget about JPP coming back into MetLife Stadium here on the other side for Tampa Bay, who's having a terrific season as a pass rusher. Um, I just see this. The, the, the Giants' offensive line has no chance in this game. No chance. None. And they are going to get run over like a steamroller in this game. And that's why I think... That Tampa defense, everyone's talking about, you know, the talk this week is all about Brown. The talk most of the season has been about Brady, about the offense, about Evans, about Godwin, all the weapons. They brought in uh, Fournette as a running back. But this this defense, to me, if Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl this year, which I think they're looking like they could, they could be right there, will be right there, I think you're going to look back and say, man, that defense was really something that put them over the top and made them an absolutely elite team. Of course, Tom Brady being a quarterback helps. But this Bucks team really looks like the real deal, and I am scared for Daniel Jones. Uh, you have you don't have much of a running game, and I think Tampa Bay gets up early. They make this game one where the Giants have to throw, become completely predictable, and that's where the wheels fall off. I see Tampa winning this game by three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, what's the positive? The Giants' next GM might be calling the game, Lewis Riddick. Right, yeah. He'll, he'll be in the booth. I. Zach, I've been on that train for a, for a long, long time, and I I really want them to consider him when it, when Dave Gettleman gets fired on likely New Year's, which yep. uh, tough way to start the New Year, especially after twenty twenty. But uh, uh, sorry, Dave, you're you're adios amigo. Yeah, I don't think this game is particularly close. I mean, you you mentioned it before. Look what Tampa's defense did and put the pressure on Aaron Rodgers with that offensive line. Yep. You want to talk about the oh man Giants oh, are allowing so Giants are allowing a forty three and a half percent pressure rate oh, on no. dropbacks and the, the team number thirty one right they're number thirty two forty three and a half percent they're eight percent worse than the second worst team in the league allowing pressure on their quarterback Jones hangs on to the ball too long we know that it's not like he hangs on to it for an hour but he hangs on to it too long but when you combine that. I mean, Andrew Thomas was a turnstile, a traffic cone against Philadelphia. It's going to be the same thing this week. Unless they shift him over to right tackle and put somebody else in that spot. I'll play left. Yeah, anybody, I mean, really, seriously. You couldn't have been worse than what he was. I, I, there were a couple drives against the Eagles where I keyed on him, just him. And every snap, every drop back, he's either getting run over, bullied. I mean, just pushed bullied out of the way or run right around it was an it, it, he looked like eric flowers out there and you know that was the last guy who was a hideous draft pick on the offensive line for the giants so uh 
This is going to be a bloodbath, man. I mean, obviously, as a Giants fan, I'm hoping they stick around in the game, but I just don't see it. I just yeah. don't see it. And, and it's one of those things, Zach. I talked about this last week, and I've talked about it a few times, actually. The offensive line is the one position in the draft where you need to go for big names. You need to go for the guy that everybody says is the best. You know, you could get away quarterback. Like, everybody's going to say Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback. You know, you you might Justin Fields might hit a home run, too. The offensive line is the one position where, hey, this is the most talked about dude in the draft. You need to take this dude. It it just is the way it is, and uh, it's going to be. Oh no, I I we're going to get off this game. I can't talk about it anymore. <laughs> we're going to go to the Thursday night game, which is going to be rather interesting, and uh, hopefully everybody's watching after a long a long Tuesday. Uh, we've got Green Bay at San Francisco. Now on paper, this is a complete mismatch. I'm going to tell you, San Francisco is going to win this game because they have a psychological advantage over Green Bay, the size of Lake Erie. Okay, they they have a very big psychological advantage. They've been their kryptonite. Uh, they lost, I believe, twice to them last year in disgusting fashion. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. They're going to want revenge. I just think San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, he's a, he's a brilliant mind outside of the fourth quarter of the Super Bowls, but he is a brilliant offensive mind. Give me San Francisco on this one. It, it really interesting game, really interesting, and and uh, yeah, they have been the kryptonite for Green Bay. Uh, they it, it, like humiliating losses, humiliating not just not just losing a game, but getting utterly blown out of the building. Uh, does that factor in on the other side? Maybe, maybe. Uh, San Francisco defensively is maybe not what they were the last couple of years. Um, I think if I think the way Green Bay wins that one is if they can turn San Francisco over a little bit, get Garoppolo to turn the ball over a couple of times. Uh, San Francisco's run game is it's always good, but it is banged up. You know, they're not going to have Mostert likely back. Um, and it, what's his name? Wilson got hurt this week, but they just seem to interchange those guys too. I mean, it looks like Tevin Coleman's coming back now. They got Jermichael Hasty, the young guy who's uh, who's stepping in there. So. I'm going to take San Fran in that game. I don't think they'll humiliate them like they did the last couple of meetings, but I do think they'll win that game, especially since it's on the West Coast. Yeah, absolutely. And that's on a gonna, short week, too. Yep, and that is, and who knows, maybe after a humiliating loss to the Seahawks might motivate them just a little bit. Well, that's going to do it for our NFL segment. We're going to, we're going to, you know, that's our that's the big part of the show, so we're going to go rapid fire through the last few, few parts of our show. I'm going to start in college football with Trevor Lawrence test positive for coronavirus. Uh, big news, eh, you know, if he's okay. The big question is, can he play against Notre Dame? Because they have Notre Dame in about 10 days, which is how long you have to isolate before practicing, let alone playing a game. Now, can Trevor Lawrence show up and not practice and study the game tape and play? Yes, why? Because he's Trevor Lawrence. But there's questions about when when he initially tested positive because the report came out was when him and his family gave the school the right to announce that he was the one that tested positive. So it is a little interesting on the timeline and everything like that. But I mean, the best player in college football test positive, uh, there's going to be a big stink about it. I'm not overly concerned the way they've been doing things down there. I, does it come as, do not color me shocked. Let's, no. let's put it that way. We're moving to the Big Ten. Wisconsin, their star quarterback, comes out firing Graham Mertz, comes out firing, absolutely unreal, Test positive for coronavirus. I think the next day, I, it just stinks. And the Big Ten rules state he's got to be out 21 days. Yeah. That is an agreed-upon protocol that they came up with for this season. 
Paul Chris, their head coach, also tested positive. If you look at the, it, he's going to claim I wore a mask. If you look at some of the photos of him during the game, he did not wear a mask. I don't know what's wrong with some of these guys. I, I really don't. I, I, I really don't understand. Like, if you're going to, you know what? He should admit, hey, I was wearing, yeah, I was wearing it around my neck. Sorry. You know, not, I wore a mask. Well, no, you didn't. That's not wearing a mask. That's wearing a chin diaper, as South Park put it. <laughs> yeah. they, that's called wearing a it's chin true. diaper. True. Okay, so these guys got to get better at this. Pac-12 is coming back next week. That's going to be fun to watch. But again, here's my problem. Big 10, Pac-12. You're starting, uh, Big 10 started last week, Pac-12 next week. You didn't leave yourself any room for cancellations. No. Right? And you want to get in the college football playoff. Now, the Pac-12, I don't really know if they would have gotten a team in anyway. But the Big Ten, you've got Ohio State. Now, Paul Feinbaum of ESPN has, has made this argument. They are going to do anything and everything to protect that team because they, in many eyes, are the chance to go to the national championship game. And they play Penn State this week, which is going to be just a, a barn burner. And I wish they had the whiteout and everybody there at Penn State. It's a really cool scene. I have friends that go there. It's really awesome. So that's college football. we got local high school sports. Ponta Lake is going to play New Milford, otherwise known as the green team, tonight, Friday night, for a chance to win the division. Zach, it's got to be kind of cool to hear high school sports going on. I know in New York State, it's been pushed back to the spring, but uh, New Jersey's done a great job so far in getting their season off. Yeah. It just it just in general. And again, I mentioned this to somebody the other day. What people don't know is in, in New Jersey, they've had teams cancel games because of positive tests, pick up another game within 24 hours. Now they're preparing for another team oh, wow. within 24 hours and then playing them. So it's... It's been a wild, wild time in New Jersey, but uh, they're doing a great job. And go Pompton Lakes. Hopefully they win. I, I was at the game against Saddlebrook. Uh, they did a terrific job. Hopefully they beat that team in green. I'm going to move to the NBA. Zach, I mentioned this is episode 23 of the Air It Out podcast, which makes it the Jordan episode. And I think, I think that would make me an awful host if I did not ask you the question, MJ or LeBron and why? I, I mean, I'll put it right out there. I go MJ. Um, look, I, I grew up in an era that I, I really have a romantic feeling about those the the NBA in the '80s and '90s. It really, it really does uh, stick with me because I was growing up at that time, and I watched Jordan's whole career, and I watched Magic, and I watched Bird, and all those guys, and through the '90s too. I mean, just the physicality of the league at that time. We'll never see it again. You know the some of the matchups back back then: um, Celtics, Pistons, Bulls, Pistons, Knicks, Bulls, Knicks, Heat. You know, the, and MJ was a guy. Look, I can't take it. I think LeBron. I think LeBron should have won MVP for essentially every year of his professional career. I believe that. I think they give it to other guys because they feel like they have to. He's the most valuable player in the NBA every single year, including this past one. And to me, he's the best player of his generation. I just see Jordan in a way that, you know, Jordan didn't have, he, Jordan wasn't the physical specimen that LeBron is, not even close. Um, but Jordan had a, and not that LeBron doesn't have it, I just don't think it's the same level. And the Jordan Rules documentary, or the, uh, the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, phenomenal. Yeah. By the way, I know the executive director of that, which is oh, really? cool. He's a great guy. Fantastic. He met Michael Jordan throughout the production, but yeah, he, it was it was great. Absolute it, great documentary. That showed to me why he was so, you know, I always knew he was the best player on the court, but it showed why. And this is a guy who a lot of his teammates didn't like it. 
A lot of people around him didn't like it. A lot of people who watched this documentary said, man, he was a bully or he was this and that. His job was to win NBA championships. And the way he made money was by winning NBA championships, basically being the best player on the planet, not only letting everyone else know about it, but proving it every night on the court. And to me, he had an assassin's mentality on the court that I've never seen anyone have in my life watching basketball at any level. It was a guy, and not, again, these arguments to me sometimes can make it seem like I'm taking credit away from LeBron, which I, I would never do. He's the best player since Jordan, and it's not close. It's not close. A lot of a lot of players in the NBA, t- to me these days, seem to say, well, I'm in that class. I'm on that level. I should make that same money. And that's why, you know, there are teams in the NBA whose owners, whose general managers don't last that long because they say, yeah, this guy can be our LeBron. It, there's only one. There's only one. And I know he's at the end, getting to the end of the line, but to see what he just did, and I know they had a break and whatever, but still, that's a legitimate title because they played basically the whole season, even though there was a break, big break in the middle. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, Jordan, to take those teams and, again, Phil Jackson was a great coach. Jordan, to me, is just a guy who, from top to bottom, from the from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head, when he stepped on that court, he had an advantage over you, not just physically, mentally. And it's an advantage that I don't know that I've ever seen any other athlete have with maybe the possible exception of like a Mike Tyson in his prime, where the guy walking into the ring knew he had no shot, knew he was going to get knocked out and was probably going to be quick. And that's what I saw in Jordan. And uh, yeah, so I know it was a long-winded answer to your question, but I wanted to give it some context. Uh, I just think he's the he is the best basketball player I've ever seen. Um, and physically, I know every generation gets better, right? They're more athletic now than they were in the 80s and 90s. The 80s and 90s were a lot more athletic than they were in the 50s and 60s. So it's just going to keep getting better and better from that standpoint. There'll be somebody better than LeBron in the next generation or whatever, just from the athletic standpoint. From that assassin standpoint, from that winning standpoint, from a guy who would just come in silently uh, and silently you know, cut your throat and walk away without you even knowing it really happened, that was Jordan his whole career. And uh, and I'll take MJ. I'll take MJ and uh, all day, every day. Yeah, I've I've been an MJ guy too. Uh, I'm not opposed to change. Obviously, as things go on, and I think your point about you know people saying Jordan's a bully, people forget things can be mutually exclusive. He can be a bully and still be the greatest player of all. Like and that that in in my eyes, two a two things could be true, and b that in essence propelled him to be the greatest player. Uh, of all time and and again like you said what LeBron's doing and I and I think this is hard for people to conceptualize because how physical the 80s and 90s were this, this is the toughest mentally you have to be the toughest mental athlete of, of all time nowadays with all the social media yep. with LeBron who's been hyped at, and again self-regarded as the chosen one the king since he was 16 years old You've heard Michael Jordan say it numerous times. I don't know if I could have dealt with it. He needed to stop playing basketball and go play baseball because that's how stressful it was in the 90s. 
let alone yeah. the scrutiny that LeBron James goes through right now. Because let's be honest, he is he is the most scrutinized athlete I have ever seen that's been successful. There's been guys that are terrible that get scrutinized. Why? Because yep. they're terrible. The only they, guy, the only guy I can maybe put in that category, you're 100 percent right, in this era is Tiger Woods. Maybe uh, I could see it, yep. but he's rebounded. Yeah. Right. He's he's had this big comeback story and everything like that. I just I you know again like I said I'm open to change, but it, but right now for me it's Michael Jordan and I and I just think LeBron is doing everything he can. I I don't like this whole, you know well you know why, you know LeBron we got to hold the six losses against LeBron because no way well. What about what about the years Jordan didn't get to the finals? Yep. You know, the, the getting to the finals and losing, that shouldn't, you know, that you got to the finals. I mean, you look at some of the teams he pulled, pulled oh my God, man. to the finals. And I mean, like, imagine the world's strongest man competition when they put the trucks, like they put the, the harness on and they got to pull the trucks. Yep. That's exactly what LeBron did. You want to talk about what he's done outside of basketball to make him the most valuable player. He was worth 500 million dollars to the uh, to the Cleveland economy yep alone yep. alone just to their economy you and make that's a, not even that's not even a sales or anything you make an excellent excellent point about the era of social media and the era of scrutiny and the microscope in that in that uh way Jordan never had to deal with that now Jordan had a camera on him everywhere he went but so does LeBron uh when you talk about social issues and things like that Look at how at the forefront LeBron has been. He's put himself out there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he is a guy. There's nobody in sports right now who has more influence than LeBron James. Not even close. It's well, not even close. And you looked at it. I, I, it was Patrick Beverly, by the way, from the Clippers, ironically, because those two have history together. They said, him and Austin Rivers actually, said at the beginning of the bubble, if LeBron James says we're playing, because there was some speculation. Some players think they could come out and say, well, we're not playing. Or, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, right. Yep. And they said quietly, and uh, not quietly, strongly, if LeBron James says we're playing, we're playing. And that was the same way that happened when they walked out during that little boycott that they had. It, he is by far the most influential athlete in sports right now. And and you, there's probably an argument to be made in the last 60 years, Yeah, I, I, I would say. And again, you mentioned the social issues. And again, to me, this is what the, this argument comes down to, preference. What do you prefer? Do you prefer a guy that's going out there talking about social issues? Do you prefer the guy that's quiet and just says, well, Republicans buy sneakers too? Right. You know, right. do you prefer the guy that's taking the shot at, at the end of the game? Do you prefer the guy that's passing to George Hill with a layup to win a game one of the finals after you scored 51 points? That's That to me is the difference. And what to me, whatever your preference is, I don't really care. Right. You know, that, yeah. that is up to you. And like, I particularly like to lean towards the guy that gets his teammates involved. Because to me, a bad shot at the end of the game is basically useless. You know, they double, triple team you. Like that Golden State team, that game that I'm talking about, they had a three-man triangle with Kevin Durant, Draymond. So Kevin Durant, seven foot, with like a seven-six wingspan. Draymond Green, a former defensive player of the year. And and I, I think it was Curry at the top, and and KD and Draymond were on the sides. Regardless, to me, you, you get a layup, you win that game. Yep. You know, so I... I, to me, some of that criticism is unfair for making the correct basketball play. But again, it's all what your preference is. We see the Jordan guys, Skip Bayless in particular. He, he, you got to take the shot at the end of the game. To me, that's not true. But, it, but again, I think it's MJ for now. We'll see how that continues. 
You mentioned, I think it's a legitimate championship because again, the mental aspect of what you have to do, these guys were away for their families for, well, LeBron and, and his company only two months instead of three because their families got to come down. But regardless, you're still away from home. You're still not in comfortable quarters. You know, all this kind of stuff. And they so, played what? They played 70 games or whatever before yeah. before the hiatus. So, And you made another excellent point about him dragging, dragging teams. I mean, look what happened to the Cleveland team when he left. I mean, it was lottery. Uh, yeah, Kyrie Irving. That's the thing. That's the thing to me. What turns me off about the NBA these days? I referenced it before, where all these guys think they're on that level. They're not. It bothered the heck out of me with Carmelo for years, for years on the Knicks, and now I actually give Carmelo some credit because he's been a productive piece in Portland. But these guys who think that they, oh, it's a, it's me. You know, I'm the guy. I'm the man. I can carry this team. And then a guy like LeBron leaves. And it's like, okay, we go from 50-plus wins every year, going to the finals, to winning 20 games. With Kyrie Irving. You know, that's the, there you see the difference is never more stark. And for a while there, before he went to the Lakers, it was like, okay, which team is LeBron on? Okay, they'll be in the finals. They won't, probably won't win, but they'll be in the finals. Well, and Jimmy Butler had a terrific quote in the NBA Finals, and he said, if you, want, you know every year when you want to win a championship, you're going to have to go through a LeBron James-led team because they're just always there. Whenever he's healthy, they're just always there, whether they got a great team, whether they don't, whether Kyrie gets hurt, K-Love gets hurt, whether he's pulling the team, it doesn't matter. They're always, always there. So last thing I want to touch about upon basketball, when should the season start? I'm a big believer that this should start on Christmas. Now, we heard Danny Green of the Lakers, the championship Lakers, who, by the way, thank God they won the championship because... He would, uh, another thing we're talking about LeBron passing. He got you know he was double teamed. Yeah, he got passes, like death threats right for he missing got, he that passed shot. Passed that out to Danny Green, who was open by a country mile. Yeah. By the way, like yep. you can't get more open than Danny Green was. He short rims it, gets death threats. His fiance got death threats too. It's just awful stuff. Good for him. He said if the NBA started on December twenty second, which is the current proposal to play seventy something games, and before the Olympics which is an interesting dynamic because I think in a non-Olympic year, you'd start on Christmas, postseason, June, July, August. You would completely wipe out baseball, especially since they're going to strike here in a year or two. So, But I I think this year, Zach, started on Christmas. Nobody likes the NBA until Christmas anyway. You hear people all the time, ah, the NBA doesn't really count until Christmas. Start it on Christmas. Lakers, Nets, game one, NBA 2020-2021 season, Let's get it rocking. Let's get it bumping. That, to me, is an ideal situation for them. Again, if LeBron ain't going to play, right. that's a problem. And, and again, that, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, that could dictate when this league starts, when LeBron James wants to play. It shouldn't. It shouldn't, but you're right, it could. And I don't think LeBron is going to say, yeah, I'm I'm ready to rock and roll on Christmas. And I think LeBron, now, it, may, it, it might hurt them on Christmas. It might hurt them opening up the season. But I don't think it crushes them in the sense if LeBron says, you know what, I'll be back at the end of January, guys. You guys take the first 10 games, 12 games, whatever. See what you can do. I'll be back at the end of January. My body needs this rest. And it probably does. I mean, what is he, 17 years in? He's going into his 18th year. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement because they need to find get back some kind of normalcy here right. on their scheduling. Um. I, and I would agree that they should kick it off. They'll get a lot. They'll generate a lot of interest. The ratings were not good um, for the playoffs this year. 
So whatever that had to do with COVID, whatever, a lot of different factors. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I would be surprised if, if actually LeBron said, I'll be there opening day on Christmas. I highly doubt he would be. Yeah, I think he's got a lot to handle at home. And well, Bronny's been in the news for some, yeah. so, yeah. some non-legal matters. But uh, we're going to leave it there again. Like I said, I think they should start on Christmas and go for again. Again, I think they have more flexibility if it wasn't an Olympic year. Yeah, uh, But they, that July deadline, you know, those guys want to play in the Olympics. They're, I know LeBron definitely wants to play in the Olympics. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to transition to baseball, Zach. That just wrapped up this week. And my God, they were so close. Hmm. They were so close. I, I mentioned the Seattle, the Seattle-San Fran game from last year. at The half-inch line. This is where Major League Baseball was. Great after the St. Louis breakout, the Miami breakout, and the Cleveland mishap. They've done such a great job with COVID. Such a great job. Put on a great show. I really like the telecast from from Fox. I thought they did a great job. I thought it was cool to have fans down there in Arlington because again, Texas doesn't believe that there's a virus happening or right. they don't know right. whether there's one happening. Yep. I said that for weeks. But I, I get to game six. The Dodgers finally win one the first time since 1988. They finally break through. You have Kevin Cash is about to be the scapegoat of the century. He's about to be the talking point for the next week and a half on all, every sports talk show. And Dave Roberts, who by the way, it's interesting because he left uh, Urias out there from the seventh inning on to get seven outs, trusting his eyes and not the analytics. Funny how that works. Yep. That's going to be the storyline. Nope. Justin Turner had an inconclusive test come back in the second inning. So the lab ran his results from that day's test and it came back positive. So they confirmed that it was a positive test. He was removed from the game, went to isolation, wherever the hell isolation is, I don't know. Clearly, it wasn't away Not from far the enough ballpark. Away. Yep. Clearly, it wasn't away from the ballpark. He comes back out during the celebration. Okay, well, you're going to wear a mask at least, right? Nope. He wears it a good chunk of the time, but then when the team photo comes around, he starts kissing his wife. Now, they're going to be quarantined together anyway, uh, but he sits next to Dave Roberts without a mask on in the team photo. Dave Roberts, for those who don't know, is a cancer survivor. He, is, he has a pre-existing condition, and what did he say about it? Well, I didn't touch him. That's not how this virus it's works. Unbelievable, man. And again, the, here's my big thing, Zach. I, I've said this from the beginning. If you think this virus is about you, you need to start over. This virus is never, you know, I say that all the time in my life. I'm a young, healthy 22-year-old kid with no pre-existing conditions that I know of. This virus is not about me. It's about who I can spread it to. Damn right. Right? And it's the same thing with Dave Roberts. It, it's not about Justin Turner. I don't, you know, again, it's cool. Yeah, you get to celebrate the world. But what if you had given it to Dave Roberts? Now, from what I understand, their tests have come back negative and they, they flew home. But again, what? why Why are you taking that risk? You're going to party with your teammates until March when the season resumes. Why is it in that moment you had to do that? And that's what I said. Major League Baseball was this close to a flawless ending to a season we didn't even know we were going to have. And they just flopped like a jellyfish. And they while we asked him to leave, but he didn't comply. You are authority. Yeah. You are judge, jury, and executioner. You it, you you could have sent the police out. You could have pulled him off the field immediately. There were optics on this look awful, really, really bad. And I hate that this is the last 
image we have of the 2020 Major League Baseball season. It really, I mean, the stupidity behind it is, it's incomprehensible. I don't understand, like you really, I understand that you're upset. You Oh, I can't celebrate with my teammates. We work so hard for this, all this and that. Dude, you tested positive for a deadly virus, potentially deadly virus. You just talked about Roberts being a cancer survivor. I mean, to go to go out there to to begin with is Looney Tunes. To to go out there and then take your mask off and be around all these other people again after you made it through all of these games, you're in the it got to the sixth inning of the last game of the year, basically, and to just go to just have utter disregard for everything that we are trying to do. Like you said, this is not about yourself. It is about infecting other people, potentially killing other people. You want to celebrate with your teammates? Wonderful. Go quarantine for a while. Go meet up with them on a beach somewhere, you know, some private island. You know you got the money to do that, and go celebrate there. You don't need to have your picture on the field next to everybody, especially not wearing your freaking mask. I mean, it really is mind-boggling. And like you said, that is the rem- that's the lasting image. It's not that the Dodgers won their first title since 1988. It is the fact that they had a player test positive in the final game that they won and then come back out and make a complete fool of himself, make a fool of the team, make a fool of Major League Baseball because he decided it's me, me, me. This is about me. I'm going to have my moment and everybody else, you know, the hell with everybody else and what potentially could happen off of that. And like Roberts too said, well, I didn't tell. Are you that? I mean, how far into this thing do we have to be before it actually clicks in? Elementary there. Yeah. yeah. Elementary is right. Insanity. Total insanity. And and it, just, you know, again, it's just awful. And again, I'm not discouraging any other city. And I like, you know, this, but this isn't Kansas City. You know, this is L.A. You're going to have plenty of days to celebrate. Believe me, you're going to have so. I mean, it's L.A. for goodness sake. Like, it's just unreal. So uh, on to a positive note, we have Tony La Russa back in baseball. Hmm. The uh, I like to call him the dinosaur because I think he's as old as they were. Yeah. Uh, he's back with the White Sox for a second stint. Just uh, quick, quick thoughts. It, it kind of threw me off when I heard the news. I, I don't get I it. I didn't really know. I mean, that's, what to go? that's my thought is I don't get, look, one of the greatest managers of all time. Uh, yes. Uh, every team he was with, he made better. He's 76 years old and he's literally in the hall of fame because, you know, Do they, they got to take him out now. They, they voted him in because they said, okay, he's done managing. He's not going to do it anymore. So we can put him in as a hall of fame manager. I just don't get, maybe they see something I don't. Maybe they see something a lot of people don't. But a 76-year-old guy in this age, now Dusty Baker went to Houston, you know, almost got him the World Series, but they were under 500 this year. So uh, how much of that is Dusty Baker and whatever? But I don't know. I just happen to think that regardless of being an all-time great, if he's 10 years younger, maybe I see it. But uh, this is a guy who's pushing 80 years old at this point. And dealing with today's ball player, um, he may prove us all wrong. He, he kind of did at every stop that he made along his major league career. But uh, that's the one that, yeah, I scratch my head on that one. And I just say, man, he's great, but I just don't get it. Yeah, neither do I. But, uh, I mean, I guess good for the White Sox. Short. I guess. Who knows? And uh, we are going to wrap up this podcast fittingly, Zach, with uh, another one of our favorite teams that we share Again, 
rather unfortunate 95% of the time, the New York Mets. Yeah. And uh, 95% and, is a good number, though. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the little brother in town, if it, uh, which is so rightfully rightfully theirs. Well, they're up for sale, finally. Hallelujah. I, you know, I thank God or whoever you believe in. Uh, well, the, uh, the sale has gone through the owners. It has been approved by the owners to one Steve Cohen, who... Uh, I'm going to put it this way, has a pretty penny to spend yep. uh, for this team. And it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. Now, Zach, the one roadblock seemed to be Mayor Bill de Blasio. Who, who would have thought in the sale of a baseball team, Mayor Bill de Blasio would be a roadblock for anybody, for anybody. And, and, and all the things he has to worry about, he's worried about the sale of the New York Mets. Yeah. And that, I, I, is that a compliment? Maybe I, 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 I don't really know. Look, but it seems like that roadblock is over. Yes, it seems like he tried to block the sale in terms of to investigate. He is he is from what I understand redacted that, and this sale is all but over. And it's going to be a lot of fun, Zach. We've seen what the Clippers did when they got Steve Ballmer, a guy with a ton of money and a ton of excitement. I'm kind of excited now. They haven't won anything yet, but I, he's put that team in a really good position. So I'm interested to see what Steve Cohen can do. The Mets released both of their catchers realistically on the major league roster. So that kind of tells you something. They're going to go get a catcher. I, I think, I think yeah, just, yeah. it's just a little hint, yep. but uh, your reaction to the sale, Steve Cohen in general, where this team's going. Yeah. I mean, I, that 95% number was a good one because he just took over 95% stake in the team and the will ponds have the other 5% that, but it may, as far as decisions are made, may as well be zero. Thank God. Uh, we as Mets fans have been waiting a long time for this thing. A too long, long time. Way too long. Uh, but, yeah, I think that just, look, from a cultural perspective, from an organizational culture perspective, this can't be a bad thing. Just can't be. You know, when you look at how the Wilpons went about things, the fact that it was, it really was, they ran it like a second-rate organization. Top to bottom. They ran it like a second-rate organization. One of the things that I heard actually coming over here. Uh, already was one of the first things that uh, Cohen plans to do besides the baseball, putting those pieces in place. We know he's putting Sandy Alderson in uh, to make a lot of decisions. They're going to have a new general manager. I forgot even Brody works there anymore. You know, Brody's going to be gone. Um, But he already has said he is going to reinstate the pre-pandemic salaries to all team employees, which the Wilpons, the cheap Wilpons, decided, no, it's a pandemic. We can't pay you. Those, those personnel, not even on the field, the people working in the offices and stuff, they're getting paid in full again now that Cohen is there. Cohen said he is going to dramatically increase the charitable contributions from the, the Met, it's the Mets Fund, I believe it's called, uh, that gives out to charities. He's already said dramatically going to increase that um, from the team perspective. So right then and there, just off the bat, you look at a guy who is doing the right things right out of the gate, changing the culture of an organization that desperately needs a culture change inside those walls. So what he does on the field, look, Sandy Alderson, people knocked him when he was here. He did a hell of a job putting together talent on this team. He's the guy who got DeGrom and Alonzo and all these guys. The the foundation, essentially, of what this team is is because of Sandy Alderson. So, And you give a guy like that I look at what the guy who's a Friedman for the Dodgers general manager who did it for years in Tampa Bay and built up an organization that you talk about money for product um, or product for money on the field, 
Nobody has done it better. They're the best-run organization in baseball when it comes to that. You take that guy, okay, here's an open checkbook. Here's a blank checkbook. He goes out, Dodgers win the division every single year. They get their World Series title this year. I think Cohen is taking that kind of approach. He said weeks, months ago, we're putting baseball people in charge. We're expanding the analytics department. We're going to do this, this, and this. So to me, it's as much about that foundational cultural change as it is any player he brings in the door to put on that roster. I think when everybody in the building feels good about going to work every day, it translates organization-wide. I'm super excited about it. The Wilpon era has been a black eye on Mets baseball. To me, yes, I know they made World Series. I know they made playoffs. They were in the World Series five years ago. This is the most significant day for the Mets since October 1986. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really wild, and he's going to be the owner for what to me is going to be uh, the biggest piece, and that's the Tom Seaver statue. How there was not a yeah. statue of the guy named the franchise, death, man. That's why the franchise, and I and I looked it up because I was like, "There's no way the Wilpons were the owners when when he was, you know, when he had just retired. When you normally put up a statue, of, oh yeah, they were. So thank I'm just, God. Hopefully, and, they get banned forever from saying the word Mets, <laughs> yeah, yeah. using the word Mets, saying yeah, they shouldn't even be able to put it on their resume. No, they shouldn't be able to talk about it in their next job interviews. And uh, honestly, I'm so tired of it. But I, Zach, this is, I, and I'm going to be critical of the Mets here. They really need to get some big names because they are falling into the category of what Nick fans do in basketball. We're going to get this. We're going to get that and coming up empty. Okay. And again, your money's not a problem anymore. Money should have never been a problem because you're in New York. I never bought that excuse. Well, the Mets don't have any money. No. Yes, they do. They, they are in New York. They are in the biggest media market in America. Okay, I never bought that for a second. But they got to start landing some names, okay? And 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 again, smart names. You know, so I maybe maybe they don't have to land the top guy, but they get a a, a crafty veteran maybe, you know, to a to a, a better deal. You know, something like that. They really need to find some guys on the field. That's my on point uh on the field point of view. But again, I'm just as excited as you are. I'm really excited to see this team. Can they stay healthy? Maybe he revamps the strength and conditioning program, which they've needed, the Giants have needed. Every every team I seem to root for has needed that. Uh, and uh, hopefully they go from there. And again, just make it fun. I love when the Subway Series is fun. Whether it win or lose, when both teams are good, it's a lot of fun to watch. And and, and I'm excited. I You know, again, I know they're going to strike because it's just going to happen. Let's, let's be very honest. It, it, they are going to strike. They haven't seen eye-to-eye the owners and the players outside of agree, agreeing, quote-unquote, to a 60-game season. Players have felt they've gotten screwed forever, and they feel that way rightly because their leadership, their union leadership has been awful. It has been. It has been. It's been unfortunate. We're going to see where that unfolds for there. But, Zach, we, we have run to the end of the show, and uh, it, has been a, it has been a blast. It has been a lot of fun talking. Listen, we could make this thing three hours. I no mean, doubt. we could have kept going for, for a long, long time, and... Uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll hear Zach on uh, on my sports show that I'll be having, uh, hopefully coming soon with uh, Dr. Vince Prisbolinski, which is going to be a ton of fun. We were just kind of recording that the other day. But that's going to do it for episode 23 of the Air It Out podcast. Again, the Jordan episode, a lot of fun. Zach, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to give you a chance to uh, put out any f- information about your show, about your social medias, where people can find you, where they can reach you. 
and uh, everything like that. No, I appreciate it, brother. I mean, anytime you want to have me on, I really do appreciate it. It's always great to talk sports. Uh, you guys can listen to me on WTBQ, WGHT, uh, 10 a.m. every Tuesday morning. Uh, this Tuesday will be election day. God, I can't wait till it's over. Um, and uh, now Zach Cruck won on Twitter. Uh, if you want to reach out there or uh, follow along. But yeah, man, thank you so much for having me. And anytime, uh, like I said, talking sports is a blast. I could do it all day, all night. Absolutely. I know you can. And and I can't wait. I, I already can't wait till episode 24, I, you know, our Kobe episode. I'm ready to get back in the booth. I know Jovan's ready to get back in the booth. He's waiting. He's kind of waiting in the wings there. So it's going to be a fun show next week. And uh, you can always reach me on Twitter at Gosker56 or on Instagram at Goose on the Mic. You can find the podcast in my bios of each one of those. So again, we appreciate you listening. We know it's a long episode. We don't really care because talking sports is a hell of a lot better than what a lot of people have to go through. So until next time, and until episode 24 in week nine, put it in the books.